Hello and thank you for joining us on Sideline Story, your destination for sports news, analysis and discussions. I'm Brandon Yates and today we will be discussing the performances of some English Premier League teams at the early stages of the season. We'll also talk about the cooperation deal between the Premier League and Chinese Village Football, some of the past and present Asian talents in the league, as well as some up-and-coming Chinese footballers to keep an eye on. To help me get through these topics, I'm joined by two fantastic panelists, Yang Guang and Fu Yu. And Yang Guang, at this early stage, stage of the Premier League season, we've already seen some surprise and some excellent performances from some Premier League teams. But from your side, which teams have impressed you the most at this early stage of the season? Well, it must be Tottenham. Yes. Um, everyone was expecting them to have a slow start. Myself even, included. <laughs> or even collapse after, yeah. uh, after losing Harry Kane, the cool player of their playing style. Mm. Everyone was like, they would definitely plunge from the table, which they might still do in the future as the season progresses, but um, as things stand, I think they deserve to be called the biggest surprise package of the Premier League yeah. season so far. What do you think has led to this early success? I mean, like you've already mentioned, it is very early days and things could change as the season progresses. But at this point in time, what do you think they're getting right? I think the winning formula from them is mainly from attacking perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, Son Heung-min has switched to his scoring mode again, and Richarlison has become more of a threat now. Yeah, uh, he used to be marked by Spurs fans as yes. one of the worst <laughs> signings by Tottenham. Right. Um, I actually saw the, a bit of the game between Tottenham and Manchester United. Oh, no. So, uh, did, so, yeah. did, so, did, so did I, unfortunately. <laughs> that, was, um, that was a 50-50 game, uh, mm. fairly to say. I mean, it's not dominated wholly by Tottenham. United had their chances, yeah. uh, though it's a 2 0 win for Tottenham. I noticed some really big changes and um, differences about these Spurs squads. There are a lot of switches of positions between players when they attack. A lot of forward running, a lot of vertical passes to mm. create chances. And these really made some United players confused. So there seems to defend. yeah. So there seems to be a lot of versatility mm-hmm. in their attacking lineup amongst you exactly. know those attacking players, which is I think very difficult for defending teams to deal with. Yeah, um, a lot of credit to their new coach, Pastor Coglu. Yeah, and um, I think it seems like to me he added some. He's from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, he added some rugby tactics <laughs> into this Spurs squad. Potentially, but, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, he could be the new special one mm. in the Premier League. He's definitely been known for his attacking style during his time at Celtic in the Scottish Premier League. And it seems like he's brought that to Tottenham in the English Premier League. And I guess a lot of Tottenham fans and just football fans in general were expecting Tottenham to take a back seat and maybe play a little bit more conservatively without Harry Kane. But it seems like they've done the total opposite and they're playing with confidence. James Madison has come in and he's really unlocked some of their attacking players. And like you said, Song Hyun Min has really taken on that responsibility that um, Harry Kane left in terms of filling that void you know ever since he's left for Bayern and Mm. is of course doing really well at Bayern Munich so it seems like Tottenham no Kane no problem Uh, at this stage and that's the case I think their coach Pastor Koglu he's doing something like what um, the previous newcomers of the Premier League like Thomas Tuchel Mm. Mauricio Sarri Antonio Conte did which is surprising the opponents with their unique game style and uh, I guess the opponents have also been yeah but I guess the opponents have also been surprised by their confidence because I think like I said Mm. I think a lot of opposition teams would have expected Tottenham to go into their shell without Harry Kane. 
Yeah, a good manager always knows how to encourage his players to play to the utmost. Yeah, and he's doing the right job right now. Uh, I don't know how consistent this Spurs squad can be as the season progresses. Mm. I mean, a lot of his rivals will study his tactics and look more into their game yeah. videos. I'm also not so sure about Tottenham's depth. It looks like their starting eleven has really yeah. got things going, but in terms of if there's one or two injuries or if something goes wrong during the season, that could potentially be something difficult for Tottenham mm. to deal with. That might bring some issues as mm. the f- season follows. But uh, right now, I think Tottenham is the team to watch. I would agree. Um, they've been fantastic to watch. Like you said, they're playing with confidence. They're playing wonderful attacking football. And it's definitely difficult for opposing teams to read what they're going to do um, You know, with possession and on the counter-attack. So they're definitely a very exciting team to watch at this point in time. I suppose, look, City, Arsenal, all of the traditional you know, strong Premier League teams have also been performing really well. Has there been anything from City or Arsenal that you weren't really expecting or were you just expecting them to dominate again this season? I think City and Arsenal will repost this rivalry from last season. Yeah, it doesn't look like they have any competitors long-term at this point in time. Like we've said, Tottenham are mm. playing really well at this point, but I don't see them challenging City or Arsenal in the longer stages of the season. So I agree with you. I think it could, again, be a two-horse battle between City and Arsenal. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think so. It seems like every season there's a new team emerging as the top four contenders. Yeah. Last the season. Not, not the contenders, <laughs> always just top four contenders. Yeah, Arsenal, that last the season, they challenged City a lot. But um, it didn't dethrone City. It was disappointing, right? It was yeah, such yeah. an exciting battle for so much of the season. And then Arsenal just lost momentum at the end. Do mm. you think that they can potentially get that right this season and keep that momentum throughout the entire season? I think they have um, more reinforcement now uh, from the team depth point of view yeah Declan Rice a massive signing for Arsenal I think he's going to be very important in the heart of their midfield even Kai Havertz yeah. <laughs> uh, how he depressed some, some of the Arsenal fans but yeah, I considering think, the price that was on his head right yeah for the depth perspective mm. I think he would be a, a help I guess where he can help is also, again, we bring it up, versatility. So Mm. I think he's a very talented player, but maybe Mikel Arteta is still trying to figure out what to do with him. But in terms of that long season progression that Arsenal will need to keep up with Manchester City, I think he could be a player that helps them at the latter stages of the season. I think he still needs to find a lot of good form. But um, I guess an experienced player, a talented player, he should boost Arsenal. But then again, man, Manchester City are just looking completely dominant again. And now Julian Alvarez is even stepping up to help Erling Haaland ever since Kevin De Bruyne got injured. So at this point, are you seeing any City weaknesses at all at this point in time? Because from my side of things, I can't see any um, kinks in that chain. I agree. Uh, They are the number one contender for the Premier League title. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, Liverpool and Arsenal, they're quite good, but not good enough to to match top four contenders <laughs> match City's pace yeah. yeah I love at the beginning of the season I mean it, it is early stages but I love how it's already City are going to win and let's see who makes up the top four um, but you know for you speaking about the Premier League season there are definitely some exciting fixtures to look forward to going into this weekend are there any that you'll be keeping your eyes on 
Yeah, one game I'm watching out for this weekend is the game between Tottenham and Sheffield. Mm. Uh, similar to the reason why Yang Guang's very impressed with Tottenham so far this season, um, I just want to see how they're doing and if they can stay consistent without Harry Kane, yeah. who left for Bayern Munich, which I'm not complaining <laughs> as a Bayern Munich fan. Of yeah, he, he's a very welcome addition at the German team. But um, at Tottenham, the whole system that used to evolve around the old captain may not work anymore and um, they have to switch things up like uh, one of you just said there's a lot of versatility mm. um, James Madison stepped in but I wouldn't say he's a complete replacement for Kane not at all yeah maybe from the creativity department and yeah. unlocking defenses because each player yeah each player's uh, unique and also San Hyun-min stepped up as the new captain and uh, I, I've seen chemistry between these two and from the feedback uh, from Sun, he's obviously very happy mm. with Madison as a new teammate. So, um, yeah, the uh, attacking game might be a bit different at Tottenham. And also, like you said, uh, there's new coach. And um, I think this could be the start of a new era at Tottenham. Absolutely. And also, Sheffield as um, another reason why I'm watching out for this game, because... Sheffield, as a newly promoted team, we don't know them that well. And Tottenham may mm. not even know them that well. To so. be honest, I can't name one Sheffield United player. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, the season's still long. There's plenty of time to get, of to, know, yeah, to get to know them. But yeah, this weekend, Tottenham and Sheffield should be an interesting yeah, one. Yeah, I would definitely watch that game as well. Because mm. I want to figure out how consistent Spurs' yeah. team can be. Or it's just a one-off against the United. Yeah. I mean, Fuyu mentioned that Son has taken on the captain's armband. James Madison has come in and he's unlocked defences and created space for a couple of Tottenham's attacking players. Do you think that Tottenham are dealing with the loss of Harry Kane better than anyone expected? And has it weirdly kind of worked out for them? Because his loss seems, you know, his loss to Bayern Munich seems to have created confidence in other players at Tottenham that maybe they didn't have before. Mm. Yeah, you can say that. To borrow a word from Yang Guang before we started this podcast, uh, I think it's liberated Sun. He's free. And also for a lot of the other players, um, they are playing at their own pace. In, yes. Instead of having all their positions and tactics uh, designed around Kane. Hmm. So yeah, a lot of new changes happening yeah. at Tottenham. It seems like the loss of Kane has created freedom for so many players and we've always known that Son has been a world-class player and it seems like he's also taken on that captain's armband responsibility to the point where, yes, he's leading the team in terms of you know his words in the change room, I suppose, and taking on that captain's role, but he's also leading by example, which he always has done, but I guess mm. under the shadow of Harry Kane. Now that massive shadow has gone to Bayern and it seems like Son is going to be the star man for Tottenham going forward. And I think Postacoglu has also brought in some really attacking football and given uh, confidence to Tottenham mm. players that maybe they didn't have before, particularly when they were really struggling last season. So I think things are looking really exciting for Tottenham at this early stage. Things could definitely change as the season progresses, but I think it's a, a great time to be a Tottenham fan. Yang Guang, any other fixtures to look forward to this weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm also particularly interested in the fixture between Liverpool and uh, Wolverhampton Wonders. Yes. Those two teams offered some really exciting games in past encounters. Uh, if the memory serves me well, the Wolves beat the Reds 
3-0 in one of the, yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. Impremiere encounters last season. Another attacking team, right? Yeah. yeah. They are a team that um, is able to trigger massive <laughs> upsets. I guess it's the because they never really have anything to lose. I've never really yeah. known Wolves to struggle in the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. And they've never really been pushing for a top six or a top four spot. So I guess they figure like, well, we're a mid-table Premier League team. And when they come up against Premier League giants, they say, to hell with it. Let's have a go. But in the meantime, they can be very slippery against the smaller sides. True. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think this game should be open as usual. Um, yeah. The two teams will play a very exciting game. And uh, perhaps the Wolves and yeah. will shock the Reds again. It should home. be interesting to watch because I think the Reds are currently going through a huge transitional period mm. as well. They've lost a couple of their midfield players and they've brought in some very talented players. And it looks like they're also doing quite well at the moment. I wasn't expecting Liverpool to kind of get up and running at the early stages of the season, but they are looking pretty good at this point in time. They've also got some of their um, injured players from last season that are coming back. And some of those signings that I mentioned, yeah. um, they've come in and they've, re- particularly in midfield, some of those players that they've signed have really gotten going early. On, right? I thought they it would take some time for the mm. midfielders to build this chemistry between yeah, like each McAllister other. and yeah. the guy from Japan. I can't think but of his name now. So it looks like Klopp has made some good signings, mm. particularly in that midfield. And a lot of pundits thought thought that that's where Liverpool yeah. would struggle he knows this season. What business he needs? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, actually, this this game. While well, I was looking at the weekend fixtures. Mm. This game between Liverpool and the Wolves was also one of my. I kind of debated between this one and the one that I picked. Right. Yeah, because um, I think Wolves to Liverpool is what mentioned Gladbach in the Bundesliga <laughs> is to Bayern Munich. Okay. There's uh, like a bit of a dark horse team. Whenever they come up against yeah, them, they sort of ca- struggle. Kind right? of a nemesis team. Yes. Yeah. But a surprising one because on paper it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah, because there is a huge gap between these two teams. But uh, on paper, <laughs> yeah. In, but on in, the field, it's always a different terms, story. In terms of the Bundesliga, when it comes to making Gladbach, Bayern Munich always struggles, and they sometimes inflict the season's first loss or the biggest loss. <laughs> I think this might be the case for the Wolves and. Liverpool. Yeah, it should definitely be very exciting to watch. But from myself as a Manchester United fan, of course, I want to watch Manchester United versus Brighton. I say I want to watch because <laughs> watching United at the moment is very difficult. The defense is <laughs> a shambles. There's massive gaps in the midfield. And, the, you know, there's the Anthony situation. There's the Jaden Sancho situation. So there's just endless problems at Manchester United at the moment. I'm quite looking forward to see if Amrabat gets some game time and maybe is able to sort out that midfield issue. What we're going to do defensively, I'm not really sure. And Brighton are also one of the surprise teams, I think, at the early stages of the season. So it could be a difficult game for for United, but it should be very, very exciting to watch indeed. But staying with the Premier League, um, Yang Guang, of course, we know that Chinese Village Football has signed a strategic cooperation deal with the English Premier League. Can you tell me a bit more about that deal and how it could potentially benefit both parties? Um, yeah, the, the Premier League and the Guizhou Village Super League, the so-called Super League, um, they've agreed to sign a memorandum of understanding mm-hmm. on the sideline of the um, China International Fair of Trading Services. Um, the two sides agree to explore collaboration in grassroots football. Okay, um, so particularly there's a focus on grassroots football, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, which and is really needed in China, I would say. Yeah, I mean, for the Premier League, it's um, the cooperation with the Village Super League will help them target more um, Chinese fans, especially in Guizhou. Right. Enthusi- football enthusiasm in Guizhou in that province mm. is massive. And it's maybe a- access to English Premier League football to Chinese fans that maybe didn't have access to it in the past? 
I think um, they will particularly have these cooperation projects um, where a lot of exchanges will happen between mm. players, managers, and organizers. So they, they will learn experiences from each other, how the Village Super League can succeed on the social media platforms, mm -hmm. that would be a lesson for the Premier League. Yeah. And in turn, I think the Village Super League in Guizhou, um, they will have chances to go to the UK to learn about their experience in the grassroots right. football development there. I mean, it's a great chance for them to make their Village tournaments a bigger thing. I mean, yeah, um, the and Village to, Super yeah. League has um, made a splash in on Chinese social media, and it has turned into a popular sports festival to attend. Right. But what's next? Yeah. Uh, how to make it consistent? I think there's a plenty to learn for the organizers of the Guizhou tournaments Absolutely. from the Premier League. And I can't think of a better league to learn from, right? Yeah. Because I think in terms of consistency, reaching out to the fans, professionalism, I think there's a lot that that league can learn mm. from the English Premier League. So I think it's a huge opportunity for um, the Chinese village football, right? Indeed. Uh, actually, a bit more about this discussion. I think it's, it can be a starting point of a learning process for China to take notes from the whole English football league structure. Yeah. I mean, yes, um, the English Premier League is the top tier league, and uh, but um, below it, there are dozens of leagues across England on the county level, on the city level, even on the village level. Yeah, And they're and, all really professional, right? Yeah. I mean, professional football in England definitely extends beyond the English Premier League. With massive fan base. Yeah. And in China, we have this top tier league design, which is the Chinese Super League. And we also have this um, village Super League in Guizhou, which is the bottom or the grassroots level. But of very the, popular, right? Yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the pyramid structure. Mm of the Chinese league's structure. But um, something is missing in the middle. Mm. Oh, in I see between, what you mean. In yeah. terms of like, there's, there's a big gap between the top tier and the bottom tier, right? There's yeah, no exactly. like kind of middle ground, which, which England does really well. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's why I said China should take notes yes. from England experiences. And uh, yes, some developed provinces in China, like Jiangsu, they have organized provincial level games, but the clubs are seldom heard, right. even for the locals mm. and some provinces don't, don't even have these kinds of games so I guess they need to figure out how to also create exposure for themselves and also connect with the fans on a regular basis yeah. right to keep that momentum especially uh, build this clear passage for a player from a grassroots level so important to turn to a professional player yeah. and then to the to the top tier. That's how Jamie Vardy yeah. became one of the top strikers in England. Mm. So I think that, that should be a starting point. I mean, the collaboration between the Premier League and the Village. And Super he's League. a perfect example of how the English Football League system can also benefit mm. players that fall through the cracks at an early stage. Exactly. Because of the system and the structure that they have in place, even if you progress in your career in your later stages, you can still make it to the top tier. And I guess that's something that Chinese Village Football can learn from the English Premier League and also close that gap between the CSL and the and the Chinese village football and creates you know a, a, a greater path to that professional leagues like you've mentioned. Definitely, that's a yeah. great conclusion. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and for you, from your side, how do you see this benefiting um, particularly Chinese village football? And do you think it is a beneficial partnership to have with the English Premier League? Sure. Actually, at first, I was surprised to learn about this deal because I before this, I didn't even think the uh, village Super League called Chao in China would have anything to do with one of the best and competitive 
professional football leagues in the world. Mm. Um, so this deal at Siftis, at this fair that uh, Yang Guang just mentioned, uh, is, I, I only see it as a win-win. Um, actually, what I really love about the Chao is that it's very entry and community level. Yes. There's no threshold. There's no limit and um, no hierarchy. Basically, anyone can join and anyone can do whatever they want. We've uh, during this league in China, we've seen people of minority ethnic groups cheering for their teams oh, in yeah. their traditional costume. Very and, festive. Yeah, and also kids give, giving advice and yeah, yeah. Uh, telling, <laughs> telling the players what they should be doing. Um, so, so there's a lot of engagement with the communities, right? And yes. fans have a real say in what happens on the field and off the field, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, and so I think this lowers the level, not the level of competitiveness in football, but lowers the threshold of uh Engaging, yeah, um, and um, the the village super league now already has a large fan base. Uh, it quickly the the popularity it enjoys is huge, and um, also the Premier League has professionalism, and I think this is where uh, we say why this deal is so genius. Um, I only see this as a win-win because by these two leagues teaming up, mm. one gets exposure and marketing. Not that the Premier League lacks any, but uh, like you said, uh, this partnership may also get people access to the f- football, uh, professional football yeah. league. So I guess it can ex- extend um, the English Premier League's global reach and get them, uh, you know, create deeper ties in China, maybe reach fans that they haven't had before. Yeah, and maybe the fans will, or these players will even get the chance to play with some of the professional football players. Yeah. Because from be what, cool. what, I, what I've yeah. read... And get that's, coaching from them, you know, that, that yeah, would always that, be that's, beneficial. That's part of the deal. It may mm. happen in the future. Um, and um, also extending beyond football, uh, the business communities between the UK and the Guizhou village also signed deals for partnerships in tourism and other soccer-related projects. Mm. So that's another aspect of this partnership benefiting both sides, even beyond the football arena. And also, I think the Premier League could also be very educational for the Chinese village league for Absolutely. the Sun Chao. On yeah. numerous levels, right? Not yeah. just what happens on the field, but so much of what happens off the field is also yes. what makes the Premier League successful. Yes, not only in terms of playing football, like um, Yang Guang said, there needs to be a football culture, which I've always also complained that it's been lacking in China at the moment. I think, yeah, so these two leagues working together will have very exciting outcomes. Yeah, it definitely seems like a win-win partnership. And I also think the critical element there is also creating a bridge between the professional leagues and the village leagues. And I think that's going to be very important to see a lot more maybe Chinese football talents that kind of don't necessarily make it to the professional leagues at a very early stage. It might give them a clearer path on how to get there. And I think that's going to be fantastic. And what better league to learn from than the Premier League? And also what better country to kind of get, you know, your exposure to than China for the Premier League. So it definitely seems like a win-win situation indeed. But sticking with that Asia and Premier League connection, Yang Guang, we've also seen some incredible Asian talents Mm. over the years in the Premier League. And even right now, we've mentioned one or two players. So from your side, who have been your favorite Asian players in the Premier League in the past and even currently? Uh, yeah, Asian appearances have been on the rise in the English Premier League. I mean, Sun Heung-min's success really boosted So not only South Koreans, fans, confidence, but... The, All over the continent, yeah, right? Yeah. In Asia. And also a lot of Japanese players as well. 
Uh, here in China, fans always talk about how good um, Kaoru Mitoma with Brighton is mm-hmm. and Sun Heung-min with Tottenham. Yeah. I guess those are the two standout Asian players yeah, yeah. in the Premier League right now, I would say. Yeah, on yeah. one side of the story, yes, uh, these players proved Asian players can play equally good football. If not and, better, and yeah, thrive. I mean, they're, 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 rec- they're recognized as some of the top talents in Europe. Mm, but on the other side of the story, I mean, <laughs> there's some <laughs> mood of being jealous from the Chinese fans' perspective. Oh, yeah? yeah, because we don't have a single player playing right, in the top right. tier European league right now. Okay. But in the past, I mean, we had some excellent representatives from China uh, playing for English clubs, sure. like Fan Zhiyi, Li Weifeng. Um, the most successful one might be Sun Jihai, the only Chinese player inducted into the English National Football Hall of Fame. A Huge list, achievement. Yeah, a yeah. list that also includes the legends of um, uh, Alex Ferguson, George Best. All my boys. Yeah. <laughs> All my favorites. <laughs> I still remember two highlighting moments of Sun Jihai in his Manchester City career. Ugh, one match. Do we have to go through City highlights, please? <laughs> Can we move on to the next topic? <laughs> okay, uh, one was against uh, Fulham. Um, Sunji Hai made a world-class goal line clearance. I um, love those, right? Like a, yeah. a, a goal saver. Yeah, was always fantastic. He's a defender. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's always. I love to see that. As the only defender uh, in front of the goal without the goalkeeper, Brilliant. facing three of uh, his opponents. <laughs> that was that was Muffler's move. Yeah, save. that's superhuman almost. Yeah, and also a second. A second highlighting moment I can remember from Sunji Hai's, he totally locked up Cristiano Ronaldo in a game against United. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will let that one slide because Cristiano Ronaldo getting locked up does not happen very often. So if it did have to happen, I'm glad it was against a Chinese player. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Ronaldo um, attempted several times to dribble past him on the, on the two sides of the pitch. But, as he uh, would, as he would. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Sunji Hai is arguably the best Chinese player that has played in the English Premier League for sure but uh, hopefully someone will take this title to replace him in the future yeah, yeah. yeah. For you, from your side, any Asian players in the league currently or in the past that really impressed you? Yeah, um, just to follow up a little bit on what Yang Guang said about Sun Jihai, I don't think there's any argument about that. Mm. He is the most successful Chinese player in who's played in overseas leagues. Um, yeah. The absolute number one brother or first brother right, right. <laughs> yeah a term that we use to describe someone who's the top of the game yeah um, i love that term it's like a term of endearment it's yes. fantastic yeah i love that <laughs> i guess it's something that the fans would put onto him right yeah yeah sure awesome yeah and uh, Sun Jihai played in English teams in English leagues including mm. the Championship and the Premier League. I think he was with City from 2002 and 2008. And just um, sorry just quickly there again we see an example of how having multiple leagues can benefit a player's career where you don't necessarily yeah. have to play in the top league but you can still have a professional really successful career which is yeah. hopefully, exactly. which is yeah. hopefully something that this cooperation deal between China and uh, the English Premier League can lead to in this country. Yeah if um, Sun arrived at the Premier League he would probably wouldn't have been so successful yeah. in England um, he played altogether 150 games in the Premier League wow. and that's a record that's still standing mm. um, I, and I don't think anyone will break that record anytime soon yeah. um, and also he was part of China's national team that played in the World Cup in 2002, which was the only time that China qualified for the final stages of this tournament. So, yeah, I think the time that he played was the 
golden age of mm. Chinese football yeah. because around the same time there were also several other Chinese players like Yang Guang said they played in England and Germany. Right. And so it was a special down. time for Chinese talent uh, from the football side of things, right? Yes. Um, I think it was back in the days when the gap between Chinese football and the world's leading teams yeah. is not so big. Mm. That was the golden era for Chinese football. Yeah, yeah. Now it's gone, but I'm sure it's, it will come back. We hope so. Yeah, we hope yeah, so. It's definitely coming back, but I really miss those days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. From my side as a Manchester United fan, Park Ji Sung, I suppose, was probably mm. the most successful Asian player we've ever had. I was never a huge fan of his just as a, a football viewer because I didn't think he was the most talented with the ball. But so many Manchester United legends have said how important he was to Manchester United's success in those later 2000 years. Because at that time, Ferguson really liked players that did a job for him. And I think that he was very good at following Sir Alex Ferguson's orders. And in big games, like against the Liverpools, the Arsenals, he was very good at following those orders. For example, like marking a particular player, staying in a particular tactical position to allow others to, you know, play their expansive game, the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, Ryan Giggs, Wayne Rooney. So he was definitely a critical part in probably one of Manchester United's most successful periods. So I think that's also a huge positive in terms of Asian football's influence in the Premier League. Yeah, he seemed never tired on the pitch. Yeah, he had an unbelievable motor um, and he was, all, you know, similar to N'Golo Kante, just yeah, yeah. running and running. And um, he's actually the type of player that I think the English Premier League and even just European leagues in general is lacking at this point in time. You know, someone that will just chase absolutely any ball and do everything that he can for the team. And he was definitely one of those players. Mm. Um, so he's not very creative, very innovative. But, but if you tell yeah. him what to do... If he did okay, like in a couple of big games, he scored some important goals. I just didn't think he was the most talented footballer, but he was an important part of particularly big games. Mm. He had, he definitely had um, big match temperament. A key squad player. Yeah, that's exactly it. A key squad player, like the likes of Darren Fletcher, John O'Shea, not necessarily Mm. guaranteed starters, but very important to have in the squad. Um, and also just talking about, you know, the Asian continent and the football talent coming from here. And we've spoken about the the Chinese golden age of football. Yang Guang, we hope to see that golden age return at some point. But to have that happen, we need to see some talents emerging. So are there any Chinese footballers that we need to keep our eyes on at this point in time that could go on to become international superstars? Yeah, when Team China is at its very low point, um, I think everyone was is looking for the silver lining. Yes. And uh, while China suffered a 1-0 loss to Syria and earlier a 1-0 draw against uh, Malaysia... Which, which the drew, fans were thrilled yeah, about, right? Which yeah. drew heavy <laughs> criticism from Chinese fans. It was crazy, yeah. The Chinese U15 team actually beat Japan to win the East Asian Youth Championship. That's that is a massive accomplishment. Yeah. Also considering how well Japan are doing mm. on all levels at, the, at this point in time in yeah. football. Yeah, and also last year, the Chinese U20 national team also had some shining performances. Um, the captain with the captain, Aferdin, and other helpers of the team really catching fans' attentions. Mm. So yeah, I think um, it's just a matter of time before Chinese player will take spotlights in Asia and even land in top-tier yeah. European leagues like the Premier League. I think it's always a good sign to see the national teams on the youth level doing really mm. well. And I think that China's definitely putting structures into place to bring that talent through and into the professional system. So that's definitely very exciting to see. 
For you, from your side, any emerging talents we need to keep our eyes on? Yeah, uh, for me, 20-year-old Wang Bowen is one to watch. He's already on China's junior national team. And on the club level, he's been with Bremen in Germany. Actually, okay. he's earned the trust of the club and recently extended his contract in Germany for a year. Fantastic. And he's already earned the call-up at China's under-22 national team. He is a versatile striker. He's quite, quite creative. He's fast. And also, he's got consistency. So I think this player, Wang Bowen, could be one of the future stars. It, it's definitely a tricky stage for Chinese national football at this point in time, but it does sound like there is some talent coming through, and we have to hope that that golden age of Chinese football does return again. But that is all we have time for on this week's episode of Sideline Story. Thank you so much for joining us, and of course, we will be back next week with our latest topic, and we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.